Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 27 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, that will that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me on high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up, above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says. Seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. It is my father and mother. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Isaiah Chapter 26, verses 7 through 15. The way of the righteous is level. O just one, you make smooth the path of the righteous. In the paths of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the soul's desire. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness they deal perversely and do not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for indeed all that we have done, you have done for us. O Lord, our God, Other lords besides you have ruled over us, but we acknowledge your name alone. The dead do not live, shades do not rise, because you have punished and destroyed them, and wiped out all memory of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. Acts chapter 2 Verses 37 to 42. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? 
Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Good morning and welcome to the second Monday of Advent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Iamsville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 27, Isaiah 26, and Acts 2. There are a couple people, however, whose feast day are, um, well, were yesterday that are worth some mentioning. The first, uh, <clears throat> more in terms of um, the, the season, uh, is St. Nicholas of Myra. Um, the, he's, to the best of my knowledge, St. Nicholas is not a soldier saint, but there is some evidence uh, that's historically reliable that suggests that he was imprisoned briefly during the persecution of Diocletian in the early 300s. Um, and the nature of that persecution, uh, or the persecution, um, it was, it was <clears throat> mostly, or we see a lot of them coming from the military because that's where the emperor had the closest connections, where he exerted the most influence, where people who wanted to be an emperor's you know, inner circle would uh, be expected to do things in obedience to him, including enforce an edict of persecution against the Christians. Um, so officers in particular were subject to this persecution. Um, St. Nicholas, if he was persecuted um, under the, the, the persecution of Diocletian, he may have had some connection to the military, or, or and or doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, another group that could be persecuted because of their notoriety and their their status within the church were bishops, and bishops. It's kind of a, you know, it's an anachronistic thing to like think of bishops now in their little, you know, their their hats and their mitres and you know, fame, you know, uh, really fab dress. Uh, habits, um, but that's not the case. They were just leaders in the church. Uh, they were people who had enough money and status and wealth to host churches uh, for the most part. You know, you were elected and all that stuff. Anyway, so, um, but if he was persecuted, you know, some people like Ignatius of Polycarp and, and, and other Christians who made a point of, of publicizing their Christianity uh, especially if you were trying to proselytize, which wasn't, you know, done all that much, then you were targeted. The other being if you had some connection to the rank and and status of military officers. But again, Nicholas, uh, whose feast day is December sixth, um, he wasn't martyred. He was just imprisoned. He went on to live uh, through the three forties, um, and maybe some other time, some other podcast, we'll talk about Saint Nicholas and. Uh, in the seasons, but the other important person whose feast day falls on the 6th 
is uh, Father Phil Berrigan. Phil Berrigan is the sometimes less well-known Berrigan brother. Um, Phil and Dan Berrigan were, were priests um, born in the uh, 20s and 30s, I think, <clears throat> 20s actually, um, who protested the Vietnam War. Um, and Dan is the more notable one. He's He did poetry, lived through 2015. Um, but his younger brother, Phil, died in 2002 on this day, on December 6th. Um, and Phil is interesting because between he and Dan, um, Phil got conscripted into the army um, before he could um, really uh, begin and be in school long term. Um, it was 1943. Um, now, he was going to school in Canada, in Toronto, and that may have been why he was drafted, because typically college students and seminarians like his brother Dan had exemptions, but it may have been because he wasn't going to an American school. He wasn't, he didn't get a deferral from World War II. Um, he became an artilleryman like me. He served during the Battle of the Bulge in 45, and he was even made a second lieutenant after getting a battlefield commission. His exposure to the two years of, of war, uh, World War II, was just really uh, deeply affecting to him. Um, he had been in college briefly, and when he got back, he returned to college in Worcester, Mass., at the College of the Holy Cross, and he he enters the Society of St. Joseph, which is a Catholic order especially dedicated to people of African descent here in America. So civil rights movement, um, slavery, um, Jim Crow stuff was something that the Josephite brothers were really involved in. And he became a priest in 1955, and he went on to earn more degrees, but um, he's most known for, along with his brother, um, in being involved in the civil rights movement and especially for protesting Vietnam and the draft. And Phil, and Phil, so he did a lot of protests. Um, some of the more famous ones involved um, stealing draft cards and pouring human and animal blood on them. Um, and they called them the, the plowshares movement. Plowshares being, uh, I think I referred to this last week, if not the just like the very first week of Advent, I can't remember. Um, the plowshares from Micah and Isaiah, where they will beat their, their swords into plowshares. Nations shall not uh, learn war anymore. The plowshares movement take those words literally, and some of um, their most famous actions were either um, anti-conscription protests or anti-Vietnam protests, but also anti-nuclear war protests. So it grew out of the end of World War II into uh, the war in Vietnam. And sometimes they would break into federal complexes, um, missile silos, and start beating up missiles. And um, they then get arrested, get tried, and go to prison uh, to make a point. And the many of the plowshare movement people were Catholic priests and nuns. And this was the case for Phil. Um, and he got in trouble because he became a priest and then uh, fell in love with a nun and got married before they, you know, 
um, left their orders or left the priesthood, and so they were excommunicated because, you know, if you're to be a priest means you're celibate. Um, to be a nun typically means you're celibate. So um, there's definitely some boundary issues with them, and I have conflicted feelings about Phil. Um, I'm a I, I really appreciate the courage it takes to stand up. Um, and I think that's all good. The Plowshares movement stuff is very intriguing, very prophetic, um, you know, very much something that you would see like, you know, Isaiah or Ezekiel or Zechariah doing. But um, I, uh, he, he's written an autobiography, um, the name of which escapes me for now, um, The Slaughter of the Lamb. No. I can't remember the name of it, but um, he took a kind of absolutist approach to violence and war after he had experienced it. Um, and I think many people do. I don't think it's, I don't even think it's rare um, for veterans, combat veterans to develop anti-war beliefs afterwards. I, I did. Um, but the extent to which it animated him and what he did um, is intriguing to me. Um, uh, any, so for example, one, one movement or one, um, action they did was in Baltimore in 1967. Um, and there were four people, it's known as the Baltimore Four. Um, it was Phil Berrigan, an artist, um, and a, a named Tom, a writer named David, and then a pastor. Um, I, oh, he was a UCC pastor. His name was James Mengel III. Um, and the artist and the writer, so what they did is they all donated their own blood and they got some like chicken blood or something in addition to that. Um, and they, they took um, draft cards and poured it all over the, the draft cards. Uh, Mangle, who was an Air Force veteran, um, as well as being a pastor, and Berrigan was obviously a Catholic priest. Berrigan was, went all in. You know, he, he donated his own blood, poured it over the draft cards, as did the artist and the writer, both civilians. James Mangle, however, didn't go that far. Instead, he he distributed um, paperback New Testaments as the the three others did that. And they were all sentenced, with the exception of Mangle, um, to something like two or three years in prison or something. Um, but I mention this instance because it highlights the the divergent... Um, responses or reactions to war within the veteran community. Some are are incredibly anti-war. It's almost like a pendulum swing. Um, and uh, Phil's you know experience or life shows that kind of more drastic swing, um, where uh, I, I my punishment for peace. That was I think the name of his autobiography. He talks a lot about. Um, you know, how, how war basically radicalized him, for lack of a better word. Um, Mangle, however, also a vet, uh, maybe had something to do with the Air Force, maybe had something to do with being a Protestant pastor instead of Roman Catholic, and the Catholic Church was really being kind of shitty at the time. Um, that's, you know, many of these priests and nuns, when they did these movements, they would say, we address the United States military as well as the Roman Catholic Church because... The Catholic Church was being, you know, there's the failure of the Catholic Church during World War II would have been fresh in everyone's mind, uh, not the least of which a Catholic priest who fought in, in Europe 
previously would have known what the Catholic Church failed to do in Europe for the Jews. Um, but, you know, some vets um, get anti-war views and they are, you know, relatively moderate. They kind of lose some uh, trust in, in the government or whatever. And others really kind of go even further. They, they um, take actions that really confront um, some of this stuff. Um, and Phil, I think, is a tragic character um, because I think, I don't know, World War II is World War II. Um, and I don't know, I don't know that I can compare Iraq and Europe during World War II. I don't think it's appropriate. Um, but I do think that to see the amount of um, overt, explicit um, guilt, um, combat guilt, I suppose, moral guilt, um, in animating somebody's actions is is rare. Um, I don't know why it seems less reflective. In my mind, I want to believe that World War II is so much more, you know, gory and violent and and morally um, reprehensible, and that might, you know explain why he took such a hard line. But there were others in World War II who, who did not, um, who were who participated in many of the same battles and you know were more moderate. Um, and so whatever it is that we think about um, how people respond to war, Phil Berrigan is a veteran and he is, I don't know if he's um, being canonized at all, um, but he does represent uh, an example for the church, um, a difficult example, a confrontational example, but an example nonetheless. And so I do include him. Um, the um, I think the the one of the most important things that the the prophets do, as Phil did, is to pull no punches in in putting before our eyes what the world is really about. And Phil and uh, others in the civil rights movement and and uh, the anti-war protests during Vietnam, um, if you say anything about them, uh, it must be said that they they did not pull punches. That you know, pouring blood on draft cards and and burning them with napalm, the same napalm that's being used in Vietnam, um, doesn't leave much to the imagination. Um, and I think that's exemplary, certainly of prophetic. Uh, activity and and um, and uh, approach to social issues where uh, you know the church um, has something to say and many people in the church don't think the church is saying enough or doing enough um, and they serve as um, as anchors I think for others of the faithful who um, who may not feel the same zeal as they do, um, but who are nonetheless reminded that as one body of Christ, um, we certainly have something to say, um, and silence or uh, moderation is sometimes as bad as as um, participating in the things that we see uh, as as evil. Prayer for those who suffer for the sake of conscience, from the Book of Common Prayer. 
O God, our Father, whose Son forgave his enemies while he was suffering shame and death, strengthen those who suffer for the sake of conscience. When they are accused, save them from speaking in hate. When they are rejected, save them from bitterness. When they are imprisoned, save them from despair. And to us, your servants, give grace to respect their witness and to discern the truth, that our society may be cleansed and strengthened. This we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our merciful and righteous judge. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.